Thank you very much. Good evening. Welcome to this uh, platform event as part of the Shakespeare 400 celebrations here at the National. I'm Ben Power. I'm the Deputy Artistic Director here. With me is uh, Dominic Cook, uh, one of the Associate Directors at the National and the Director of the series of films that we're going to talk about this evening. This is the, uh, the forthcoming series, about to be on the BBC, uh, the Hollow Crown, The Wars of the Roses, adaptations of four of Shakespeare's history's plays into uh, three films. Ben was involved in this project way before I was. Ben also worked on the first series of Hollow Crown. Um, and you did three, do you, uh, you did two of I those. I did two of those films, yeah. yeah. How did that come about? Let's just talk briefly about mm. that. How did uh, that? Yeah, so I worked on the adaptations of Richard II and Henry V that uh, Rupert Gould and Thea Sharrock are respectively directed in the first series of The Hollow Crown in 2012. Um, and it came about actually because of my relationships with Rupert and Thea. So I had worked with Rupert on a number of productions, a number of Shakespeare productions. And when he was, when Sam Mendes and Neil Street, who were the producers of the series, approached him to direct Richard II, he then started to talk to me about the screenplay. And we adapted that together and then that led on. They, then Neil Street had already got Richard Eyre, who directed and adapted the Henry IV plays. Richard was already busy working on those. So he did those two. But then as they began to think about Thea and the final film in that series, I worked with, with her on that as well. And actually, even as we were writing Henry V, I know that Sam Mendes was talking to the BBC and thinking about the Wars of the Roses plays and whether that would be a subsequent series for the BBC. And what's your relationship to these plays prior to that? I mean, what's your experience of them? And I, of them? I think, like a lot of people, they weren't plays that I was familiar with. Uh, Richard III I knew well and had seen a, a few times in performance, but I didn't know the Henry VI plays very well at all until... Michael Boyd directed them at the RSC in 2000, 99, 2000, the first time he did them, um, when he just did the four plays together in The Swan with a company that included Aidan McArdle and actually Tom Beard, who's yeah. the late Tom Beard, who's in these, the first of these films. And David Ayelowo played. And David Ayelowo played um, Henry VI brilliantly. Um, and I was just gripped by these plays, by this amazing... Uh, national cycle by this uh, civil war cycle and by these warring families and I thought that there was I thought it was bizarre that they had never been really celebrated as much as the other tetralogy which I think is the sort of common feels like every generation the RSC come to these whether it's mm -hmm. Peter Hall and John Barton doing The Wars of the Roses or Terry Hans's or Adrian Noble's Plantagenets and Michael found them and really made a case for them. And so when we started talking about these films, I was really excited to try and find a way of adapting them. So tell me how you then got into the script, because when I came on board, mm. there, were, there were drafts already. Mm. You've maybe done one or two drafts at that point? Yeah, or? maybe. The, we, certainly of, the, of the, the first film, I'd been thinking about it a lot, because, well, Essentially, the way that the adaptation works is there are four plays, the three parts of Henry VI and then Richard III. The third film is pretty much just Richard III, and the three plays are adapted into two films, the three parts of Henry VI. So it was clear there was going to be a lot of abridgment in the Henry VI 
story. And my memory of those drafts, the first, my first approach to it, was that I was very keen to make the, the whole cycle about the Plantagenet family, so about mm -hmm. Richard Plantagenet, who's played by Adrian Dunbar in the first film, and then his three sons, George, Edward, and Richard, who is, goes on to become Richard III, and that this family and the distortion of this family and this family's war against the ruling family, the family of uh, Henry and, and Margaret, would be the crux of it. Um, and that, I think, has, retain, has been retained as a general structure, but certainly in those drafts, the characters, of, the characters that Hugh Bonneville and Sally Hawkins were playing in that clip of uh, Humphrey of Gloucester and his wife had, had been cut back far too much. And one of the brilliant things, I think, that we did when we started working on the drafts together was find a way to have an architecture which was clear in its intention towards Richard III. You always talk about, Dom, the making of a tyrant. Mm. Um, but that had room for some of the colour of these plays, which is wonderful. And Eleanor, the character that Sally Hawkins plays, just this amazing, ambitious, vicious, uh, power-hungry uh, woman who gets involved in witchcraft in order to try and elevate her husband. Um, and it's and quite a small character, but brilliantly, brilliantly drawn. And to find space in the films for those characters mm. feels like something that we really got to as we were working mm. our way through it. Yeah, yeah. What were the so then the way that we tended to work from that point was in, almost in in kind of a relay, wasn't it? We, yeah. So we then we do a draft and each and then send them back and forwards. So that's that's right. And we'd have little little bits where I would make a pass at a cut because lots of there's sort of two things. One is that you're cutting down and trying to clarify text all the time because some of the speeches are really knotty. Um, and then the other is you're trying to find the way in which film can uh, show and, don't, and doesn't have to tell. Mm. Right. So yeah. ways in which the, you can pull back on the text because a single shot can do it for you. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you can go big. So there are... Uh, huge battle sequences that you can realise on film in a way that you can't on stage. And then there are also moments where the camera can allow you into the psychology. Um, so, when, so, Dom, so, the, so you were on board as uh, director mm -hmm. and the scripts were coming along. Now, feels like one of the great opportunities of this whole project is the casting, is the mm. chance to put great actors in these roles. Um, how did you approach that? What were your first thoughts about casting for the project? Well, I mean, I think I can't, it's really hard to remember how it started. I do know we started with Benedict. Mm. I mean, we knew that obviously Richard is the most iconic role, partly because the, um, you know, it's the best known play, Richard III. Um, and we knew we wanted to get... And it's been filmed before. It's been filmed before. And we wanted to get a major actor to do it. We wanted to get someone who was going to be able to play from really about 16 years mm. old, right through to someone about 40. Because the interesting thing about this version is you get to see the young Richard. You get to see how Richard, the tyrant, the psychopath, emerges out of this family. So we knew we wanted someone with incredible range. I'd worked with Benedict, and so had Neil Street, the producers. So he seemed like the first, the, the obvious choice. So the conversation began, and freeing up his time was was, was interesting, because <laughs> uh, he's a very busy person. And then uh, he committed, and once he committed, then other 
parts of the jigsaw mm. start. In fact, Judy was next. Right. And actually, when we because we'd landed Benedict and Judy, it made the casting of the rest of it much yeah. easier. Yeah. Because everyone wants to work with those two actors. <laughs> and I think that's probably true about the first series as well. I think once they knew that they had Simon Russell Beale right. and... Tom Hiddleston, Ben Whishaw, once you yeah. get those key things. Yeah. And then the great thing, then the really exciting thing, right, is that you can, you can look at these tiny parts, yeah. you know, parts that sort of don't have a great performance history like Richard III, but find opportunities to really deliver in the casting like uh, Mortimer. Yeah, we've got, we've got Michael Gambon doing one scene, which is <laughs> a joyful thing. And also Andrew Scott doing one scene. So, yeah. you know, I think I also think it's partly because, I mean, there are lots of reasons why all that landed, but mm. one of the things was that the success of the first series allowed the actors who were considering doing this to see what the production values were yeah. and to see what it was like to do a contemporary version of Shakespeare for television shot on location and get a feel for that. And that really helped us. So, yeah, we, I, know, I couldn't believe how, you know, <laughs> day after day we were acquiring this extraordinary extraordinary cast and a mix of people mm. who were seasoned Shakespeareans yeah. with people, you know, for example, a lot of people don't know this, but Hugh Bonneville is a very experienced Shakespearean actor. I mean, he did many seasons at the RSC, you know, Anton Lesser, mm. Sam West, alongside people like Tom Sturridge and Keeley mm. in major roles who'd never done Shakespeare before, yeah. uh, but were experienced screen actors, or, you know, mm. television and screen actors. So, you know, that mix, was a fantastic mix to have because there was a kind of mutually reinforcing quality to that company of actors, you know. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the locations, and of course, the other great opportunity about putting these plays on film like this is the chance to get out and get to mm. some real castles, forests, mm. battlefields. That was my memory of, of prep, is those two things happening simultaneously. You on lots of trips away to see different... Yeah. Parts of the country. <laughs> we did see a lot of parts <laughs> of the country. Judy Dench described doing this job as standing around in drafty castles cursing my womb. <laughs> because she plays the mother, this is a typical Judy Dench thing to say. She, she, she plays the mother of Richard. Yep. And so she spends a lot of the play, and actually in the original play, she spends most of her time going, how could I have given birth to this? Right. Uh, so that... <laughs> <laughs> That's why. But no, we, did, we, went, we, went to a, we went around the country and there were all sorts of logistical questions about how you move a crew from one side mm. of co the country to the other. And I mean, we did. We were, right, we, we were at Northumberland, we were in uh, the Peak District, we were in Wales, we were in Somerset, we were all at Kent, all over. We sort of followed Wolf Hall from we Stately did. Home to we Stately did. Home. We did. They were they very were filming. Yeah, that's the right. I mean, and then the issue becomes, you know, especially with a limited budget, the issue of how you cover up handrails, how you make sure that drain pipes are out of view, and then how you contend with planes <laughs> flying over. And there was, uh, we shot a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff in the wonderful Ash Ridge Forest. A yeah. lot of our battle stuff was shot there, and it really is the most glorious place. But it, it's quite near to Luton Airport, as we discovered. <laughs> and how long were you shooting for? 15 weeks. 15 weeks. Yeah, we had 15 weeks and two weeks off at Christmas, with the final two weeks after that. Wow. Yeah which is both sort of a long time and actually no time at all. The pressure, the pressure yeah. on timing was Yeah, time, I mean, it? the real issue, what, you know, one of the, ma the main challenges really were to do with resourcing. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, 
in terms of the amount of time you had to shoot and the amount of, for example, extras. Mm. I mean, we know, like for those battles, we had about 100 people, 50 on each side, and you know, at the actual battles had <laughs> tens of thousands of people. So we had to be very inventive and respond to that. And actually, sometimes limitations on things can be really creative, yeah. and other times they can be hugely frustrating. I actually found the number limitations and the financial limitations, I would say, marginally less frustrating than the time. Mm. Because right. when you've got great actors like that, you really want to have an, often have another go or try sure. a different angle, you know. Uh, and so there were Particularly with text as complex as this. Yeah. It's not yeah. like normal film dialogue where you can rattle through it a couple of times. No, absolutely. Like we had six weeks rehearsal, right. which was absolutely essential. Mm. And some of the actors were very, very present and others were kind of came in and out of mm. the rehearsal. But to have the time to work on the language mm was essential. So most of that rehearsal was just sitting around a table. I worked with the actors. I had the wonderful Simon Goldwyn, who is another associate director here, come in and also do a parallel rehearsal. And then Jeanette Nelson, who is the head of voice here, who works brilliantly on Shakespeare's language. I've worked with her a number of, number of times on Shakespeare. And she came in and did some one-to-one -one work with the actors as well. And all of that kind of concentrated work, all on the words, mm. meant that m in most cases, people coming onto the set ready. Mm. I wondered sort of how, once you had, once you'd finished the shoot and this, this long demanding mm. shoot and you had that footage of Benedict and the other actors, what the, the next bit of the process, the edit and the, and the scoring and everything, how that felt and whether that was an enjoyable part of it. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. It's the best bit. <laughs> you're in a nice, warm, dry place. And you're in a position of total control. It's marvellous. I mean, <laughs> it's very interesting as a theatre director because in the end, the theatre is an actor's medium. Mm. And whatever you do, you hand it over to the actors. Yeah. But to be able to actually go, you know, choose reaction shots, shape story mm. in the way that you can in post-production was thrilling. And you remake... The, there, was the, there was one wobbly moment in the post-production period and I spoke to Sam Mendes, who is a fount of incredible good sense and wisdom, actually, at the points that he mm. was, he was making them bomb films when we were shooting, but when I, whenever I connected with him, he came up with something invaluable. And he said to me, you know, you gotta remember you remake the film, you make the film about four times, in the script, with the shooting, with the cut, and with the music. Mm. And then this wonderful man, Dan Jones, who's actually worked a lot in theater, came in and uh, scored the, scored the movie and did it incredibly quickly, all three of them, and we worked very intensely, but his feel for the material mm. was remarkable. And when I watched the final, we watched, we had a cast and crew screening, and I watched what, what he'd done. I was absolutely, uh, when I saw the whole thing together, mm. I was amazed by the impact that it had. Well, it just transforms the material from the, you know, I remember yeah. having seen the dailies and, you know, this raw footage, which yeah. is, exciting and immediate and you get the performance but then the shaping and the the, the introduction of mood and atmosphere yeah. to the music is yeah he, is he really he really did bring a huge amount to it it was it was amazing yeah um i think that's that's probably all we've got time for but um i just want to finish by saying thank you very much for coming um i just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to dominic uh, and thank you to all of you thanks very much thank you.